episode 257 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to break down the week seven NFL slate from a DraftKings perspective, get into the slate specifics, what Vegas is telling us about the slate, talk some chalk, of course, everything you need to know about tournaments, leverage stacks, and long shots. Joey, how are you feeling entering week seven? Feeling good, uh, coming off a very good week six, so ready to dive into this uh, week seven slate. Doesn't look like it's going to be one of the best slates, but nonetheless, uh, still got some tournaments to try and win. We certainly do. From a Vegas perspective, this is an 11-game main slate with seven games early, four games in the afternoon. From a total perspective, it looks like the premier game this week will be Seahawks at Chargers. This game opened up with a 53.5 total. It has since been bet down to 51, but still the highest totaled game on the slate. Our lone game with a total above 50. Top five implied team totals this week. We have the Chargers. 28 and a half, Dallas 27.75, Cincinnati 27, the Raiders 26.25, and Baltimore at 26. Joey, what is standing out to you from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's not that many games that look too appetizing on this week seven slate. I think there's going to be one or two games that every but he gravitates towards in DFS, and I think there are a couple uh, team stacks that a lot of people are going to look towards. So should be a very condensed player pool this week. You know, should be an interesting tournament week once again. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's interesting to have things like the Chiefs be on the slate and them not have a top five implied team total. Obviously, we're missing some of the best offenses in the league with no Bills, no Eagles. And and we can get right into the quarterback position. And I think having no Josh Allen and no Jalen Hurts adds a dynamic to the quarterback position that we haven't really had this season. You know, specifically in cash games, it's it's been easy, man. Just easy as hell. Every week, plug in you know, 30 points from Josh Allen at 8,200 and don't think about the position at all. But we can't do that this week. And we don't even have Jalen Hurts to plug in in his place. So for once, I think we'll be back to the old days of paying down at least to the mid-range in quarterback and maybe even lower. But where do you think the the interest will go this week in a Josh Allen-less DK player pool at quarterback? Yeah, I think that the top tier of quarterbacks isn't going to have much ownership this week. So Lamar and Patrick Mahomes I think the field is just going to gravitate towards some quarterbacks a little bit cheaper and I think the range that we could see the field be in this week is that Dak Burrow Justin Herbert tier Dak Prescott 6700 Joe Burrow 6.9 and Justin Herbert is 72 I think my lean right now would be Dak Prescott as the cash game quarterback in just this phenomenal spot against Detroit at home first game back coming off of this thumb injury I think he should be ready to go you know they said that he if he wanted to himself could have played the team decided to hold him out for another week you know, put him right online with that six-week recovery time. So I think that he's fully healthy. He should be ready to go. And at 6,700 against the Detroit Lions, I mean, Dak Prescott is just an absolute smash play this week. 
and then Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are also in very, very good spots. So for some reason, if we don't get Dak and they decide to hold him out against Detroit, I'd be comfortable playing one of Herbert or or Burrow in cash. So if Dak is back, are we treating him as if he's a full go? I mean, I feel like we probably should. It, the reports have been getting better and better. A couple of weeks ago, it was like he could barely throw a ball. And then pregame, right before that Philly game, James Washington was catching passes from him saying, and he said that catching balls from that guy is like getting paychecks. So, I mean, it sounds like Dak is cash right now. And if that's the case, this is the greatest matchup comes home to the best environment you could get at home against this weak Lions defense. I think we play Dak with no fear if we get him at 6,700. And I, I do love Burrow and Herbert in their own right, specifically the Chargers team in general. Herbert will get Keenan Allen back in this spot. He'll have his full complement of weapons and Seattle's defense is nothing to be afraid of. So really think that that tier is interesting, but do you think that, you know, without Josh Allen, without Jalen Hurts, with Patrick Mahomes not in this locked down spot, with Lamar Jackson coming off of three straight games, sub 20 points, can we get deeper into the player pool than we traditionally have been? Can we go sub 6K to guys like Derek Carr and and Geno Smith to try and win on a week where we may not need 30 plus from our quarterback? Yeah, I think those guys are definitely cash viable for sure. Derek Carr is projecting as one of the best quarterback values early. Geno Smith, obviously, in this incredible game game environment against the Chargers is going to project pretty well uh, as it stands. Seattle for Justin Herbert, they're giving up 27 points a game. The Chargers are giving up uh, 25.3 points per game, which bodes well for Geno Smith. Derek Carr obviously in a very good spot against Houston, although Houston has been kind of good at not allowing teams to score the ball, only allowing 19.8 points per game as it stands right now. I think that if I had to choose one of these cheap quarterbacks, it'd probably be Geno Smith just for the potential back and forth game environment against a very beatable Chargers team that like benched JC Jackson last week. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely prefer Geno to Derek Carr, especially when you take into consideration the fact that Josh Jacobs is probably a lock this week and I would not play Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr together in cash. So that kind of takes Carr out of the player pool for me. And I think my quarterback pool this week would realistically only be Lamar. Dak or Geno Smith and Cash. All right. That sounds good to me. You mentioned Josh Jacobs. Let's transition here to running back where Jacobs looks to be the best play on the slate from a value perspective. The Raiders are coming off of a bye. Jacobs had two consecutive career rushing games back to back entering the week six bye. 144 yards against Denver in week four, 154 yards against KC. So he's really hitting his stride. And it's not just that, like the the problem that I've always had with Josh Jacobs and that we as a podcast have always had with Josh Jacobs is that the pass game role has never been there, but it finally appears to have been expanded. And and the team in general is just sort of getting away from the things that have made Jacobs unplayable. You know, they're not mixing in Amir Abdullah and and these other just waste of time backs. Like Jacobs has been over 80% of snaps in a couple of these games he's had five catches in three straight games and you know with the workload that he's having at home against Houston the spot just sets up so well 6,500 I think Jacobs is the best play on the board at running back yeah I mean I I definitely agree I think Josh Jacobs is still a little bit underpriced for his role in this offense 
two straight games with 25 plus touches, five catches in three straight games. He's just being used as a total workhorse and he looks very, very good. In four out of the five games this year, he's averaged over five yards a carry, you know, back-to-back 30 plus point games in the nut spot against Houston, a bottom three run defense. I think that in cash, you're locking in Josh Jacobs. Obviously in tournaments I think you fade just because he is touchdown dependent to reach his ceiling but he's still one of the best plays on the board this week and I I I really do think Josh Jacobs should be a lock in everybody's cash game lineup yep he's the first running back I will be plugging in after that we get into some of the guys that are a little bit cheaper I think a pair of rookie running backs that are priced just below Josh Jacobs are interesting we have Brees Hall at 6200 Kenneth Walker at 5800 coming into their own. I hope everybody listened over the past couple of weeks when we've been saying to play Brees Hall while you can price sub 6k because those days are over and I don't think we're going to get him back anytime soon. Yeah, Brees Hall definitely looks good right now. I don't know if he's going to be chalky this week just because some other running backs are projecting a little bit better. Uh, One of those guys being Kenneth Walker at 5,800. Obviously, the game environment is extremely better. It's one of the best on the slate. The Seahawks have have a 22 and a half implied team total obviously not that great but it could get dragged along with the Chargers who have the highest implied team total on the slate it's a good matchup for Kenneth Walker so personally I think I prefer Walker to Brees Hall uh, but it's definitely close and I think that you're probably playing two of these cheap running backs in cash this week agreed with that and and I prefer Walker slightly as well for the game environment for the $400 in savings if if Brees gets lost in the shuffle I'll definitely have some tournament interest there at 6200 the workload is just rock solid right now in that same price range Joey are we are we going to be considering Ezekiel Elliott in this spot I, I'm not sure what the projection have him at in terms of ownership the workload has been pretty consistent the usage has been consistent between 61 and 67 percent of snaps in five straight games we basically know at this point Zeke is going to be on for about 60 plus Pollard for about 40 plus and that's just how this backfield is going to break down but at home against the Lions the spot sets up well it's just hard when we haven't seen a ceiling performance out of Zeke and in God, what, years now? Yeah, I mean, it's been so long, but Detroit is the stone-worst rush defense uh, just in front of Seattle, who's the second-worst. So it is a good spot for these Cowboys running backs. It's a good spot for every single Cowboys player. If you're playing Dak and Cash, you're obviously not playing Zeke, especially when we talk about wide receivers, and CeeDee Lamb is most likely a lock in Cash as well as Josh Jacobs. So I don't think you go there in Cash unless you aren't playing the Dak team. 6K, I think it's interesting. I think he's a good play. It's obviously just kind of disgusting uh, with him just really being just a, a, a two-down grinder, you know? Yeah. that That's reliant on probably scoring two or three touchdowns to win you a tournament even at 6K at this point in his career. Yeah, I, I guess it, it is disgusting, and, and he would have to come in with very, very reasonable ownership for me to even consider it. If he's even like semi-chalk, 15-plus percent, I don't think I would be willing to buy into the tournament-winning projection for him at, at that ownership. It would need to be yeah. a situation where he's like really under the radar, and I just don't know if he will be in this spot. Yeah, I, I don't know if he will be, but I mean, in that situation, if he does come in a little bit chalky maybe not crazy chalk but maybe like secondary or or third chalk 
I mean, the easy pivot is Tony Pollard in tournaments, especially in large field tournaments. He might be one of my favorite running back plays if you're playing in, you know, the play actions or the Millie Maker contests of the world. Uh, Tony Pollard, 5,700. Nobody's going to play Pollard. He's obviously not going to project relatively well um, as a backup running back, but his upside and ceiling, I think, is still as high as some of the guys that he's priced around. So. I love Pollard this week, a player I was going to highlight highlight during long shots when we get to tournaments. Just such a phenomenal leverage play this week on all of the Dallas chalk. So we're locking in Jacobs for cash. We're most likely looking at Walker as our second favorite option. What else are you thinking about in terms of cash for running back? Anything? Yeah, I think that the popular build this week is definitely probably going to be three running backs. I think that if you're playing, you know, Dak or a cheaper quarterback and you're playing Josh Jacobs and Kenneth Walker and probably not playing a high price wide receiver on this slate. And when you just look at the slate from a holistic perspective. A lot of good teams are on buys this week. It's by Mageddon. There's just not a lot of places to spend money. So I think you can afford to play a top price running back this week. So I think that the players that stand out to me at the top are Joe Mixon at 7K, I think is going to be one of the highest owned running backs on the slate. I think Saquon Barkley at 7,900 against Jacksonville in probably the best role out of any running back on the entire NFL, just in terms of snaps and and usage is 7,900. And then Austin Eckler, I mean, 8,300 is a smash play this week as well. But out of the three, I think Joe Mixon will be the chalkiest one out of uh, this trio. Yeah, Mixon is a is a really solid play. He stood out to me when I first looked at this slate. Quietly has had a very strong role in the passing game, which has kind of been the knock on Joe Mixon, but he's currently fifth in the league in terms of running back targets. We also saw the efficiency start to creep up over these past two weeks. He was averaging three yards per carry or less in the first four weeks of the season, and it was up to 5.6 exactly over the last two games on the road in tougher matchups. Now comes home against an Atlanta defense that has gotten gashed on the ground. So Mixon to me is is a phenomenal play at 7K. I like Barkley too at 7,900, but it's hard for me to go there when you've got Joe Mixon for 900 cheaper and Austin Eckler for only 400 more. You touched on Eckler a bit and I think Austin Eckler is probably the best pure play on the slate if we're not taking salary into consideration 13 plus attempts in every game but one this season leads the running back position with 49 targets 8.2 on average that's a full target more per game than every other back in the league and CMC is the only one that's even close to be honest Chargers have the second highest total on the slate Seattle's right there in the mix with Detroit for having one of if not the worst rush defense in the league I absolutely love Austin Eckler in this spot at 8,300. Probably my favorite running back play on the board. Yeah, I mean, Price not included with anything. He's probably the best running back play on this week. Uh, Seven slate against Seattle. You know, Seattle is giving up 27 points per game, third worst in the NFL. They're giving up 165.8 rushing yards per game, second worst in the NFL. This is just a very exploitable matchup for an elite uh, Chargers offense. So Austin Eckler, 8,300, definitely a standout play for sure. Just going to be interesting to see what build 
kind of materializes for cash games. Um, I think some 2v2s might be better if you're considering like two mid-range wide receivers or Austin Eckler versus a cheap wide receiver. Um, I think the mid-range wide receivers are going to project a little bit better in that build. But, you know, if you're considering playing Geno Smith this week, I, I think that Austin Eckler makes sense in a lineup like that. But if you get up to, let's say, Lamar or Burrow or Dak, and then you're playing, you know, Josh Jacobs and some other mid-range wide receivers, it might be hard to fit. Eckler but you could definitely make it work this week if you want to jam him in yep it's something that we will see as as the slate continues to develop maybe we'll have more value open up some things that we will check in on throughout the week make sure that you stay tuned we post multiple YouTube videos every single week as well as the Saturday night late night live stream 10 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitter Joey all right the wide receiver pool top of the pool is a little bit sparse this week no cup no digs no Jefferson no Tyreek Hill Waddle, AJ Brown, all off the slate. So of the top tier guys that we have, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, who stands out to you the most? And do you think any of these guys are going to enter chalk territory for DraftKings in week seven? I mean, Jamar Chase definitely stands out to me. You know, an elite talent, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, 8,200 in a very, very good spot against this Falcons team at home. Obviously good to see him bounce back last week, but I don't think he's going to be chalky, especially when you consider some of the options that we have in the mid-range. And, you know, I mentioned the the mid to upper range wide receivers a little bit, but C.D. Lamb is 6,800. I think you're locking him in in cash, especially with Dak back. C.D. Lamb has been a target monster, even with Cooper Rush share you know no games with less than eight targets four out of his six games he's had 10 plus targets obviously the touchdown upside with cd is not where we would like it to be but this is as good of a spot as any going up against you know one of the worst secondaries in the nfl at home uh getting your star quarterback back so cd lamb 6800 i think he's going to project off the charts i would expect him to be the highest on wide receiver on this slate then you have Amonra St. Brown, 7,100. MPJ is 7,400, who we talked about. You know, we should have considered him more last week. T. Higgins is 6,400. He comes back. He has the same amount of targets as Jamar Chase for 1,800 less. Chris Godwin, 6,300. Cortland Sutton, 6,200. This mid-range is just loaded with target opportunity, so I don't necessarily see a reason to go up to, you know, the Debo, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams tier when you can get the same target share out of uh, Sutton, Godwin, T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb for significantly cheaper. Yep. I honestly think that you're probably living in that range as far as cash games go. CD Lamb, like you mentioned, I think a cut above the rest. 10 targets per game, which is seventh most in the league, but only the wide receiver uh, 20 in terms of fantasy points per game. But I think that it's very easy to just explain that the lack of efficiency away. It's the best spot on the board against Detroit. They get their starting quarterback back. They have the second highest implied team total on the slate. I don't think that there are really any holes that you can poke in CD Lamb. You lock him into cash with Josh Jacobs right away. And then, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown's probably my favorite play of the other mid-range guys that you mentioned. Priced up a little bit at 7100 but that's still very affordable. He's getting the off-injury discount. He was 7200 in Week 3, 7600 in Week 5. So a slight price decrease for Amon Ra. Schematically, you have to imagine the Lions have, you know, they've been on buy, so they're looking at this Dallas team at home, thinking about all the pressure that they're going to be able to generate on Jared Goff. They're going to have to get the ball out quick. I think Amon Ra and DeAndre Swift are the two priorities of 
of this Lions offense. And Amon Ra's just, I mean, God, dude, he's a stone cold lock for 10 plus targets when healthy, and he should be fully straight in this spot. So 7,100 Amon Ra, the sun god, is is squarely back in play. Uh, I don't even think he's on the injury report. He's fully healthy. He's ready to go. I would expect him to see 10 plus targets in this Dallas Cowboys defense, I think, in my opinion, is kind of beatable. Uh, They are top four in the NFL in opponent passing yards per game. So they have been really good, actually, against opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers. But still, nonetheless, the the target share, the game environment should be there for Amon Ross St. Brown. So I, I really do love him this week and I don't know I, I I really think that it just comes that cash this week comes down to a 2v2 and it's like a Monra St. Brown and another wide receiver versus like Eckler or and somebody else like I don't, I don't know we can get down to those wide receivers that we're considering in that 2v2 in a second but I just want to take another moment to parse through this mid-range for another minute with the guys that you mentioned Sutton Godwin T Higgins you know Sutton 62 Godwin 63 Higgins 64 these guys are all priced back to back to back and I think the choice that you make between them could end up being the difference this week so how are you ranking those three players I I'll give you my initial rankings I I would kind of rank it as they're priced um, um, I think it would, it goes Higgins, Godwin, Sutton for me. I think Sutton is definitely last just with the uncertainty around Russell Wilson right now who suffered a, who suffered a hamstring injury in the fourth quarter of that Monday night football game. I think that Higgins and Godwin is close. Very close. I think I prefer Godwin over T. Higgins. Yeah. Just because I think Godwin's target upside is a little bit higher just because I think the Bucks are going to throw the ball more than the Bengals will. And I also believe that the Bucks offense will be a little bit more efficient than the Bengals offense who, you know, at times we question what the fuck they're doing over there in Cincinnati. Oftentimes, um, many times. And even though they, you know, they had a, a good game last week, 30 points against the Saints, like that was their first game of the season scoring 30 or more. Um, they've been held 20 or under in three out of their six games. Like they haven't been a good offense. They haven't been a good coached offense to start this season. Obviously, T Higgins is great and his target upside is pretty high, but I, I just think Godwin's floor is a little bit higher and I think their ceilings are relatively comparable that I would prefer Godwin in this spot over T Higgins. You know what? You might be right. I think I, I think I might have actually been swayed because thinking through it a little bit more, we we just trust the pass rate with Tampa Bay. Like we know for a fact, no we matter know what game script. A fuck ton. Yeah, they're they're gonna sling <laughs> the ball and this is a spot right where the Bengals are pretty significantly favored six and a half it opened as them being 10 point favorites so I mean if they get into a spot where they're clearly ahead it could be just let Joe Mixon feast and and scale the pass rate down which just is not a concern for Godwin so I think cash wise maybe we go Godwin and then tournaments depending on ownership it could be a Higgins play in the event that Atlanta does push them I think he might have higher access to a ceiling this week but something we'll debate throughout the week going into the value tier at wide receiver i think it's relatively solid this week 5k and below romeo dobbs 5k uh, is pretty interesting to me. We think the targets could be consolidated here in Green Bay going forward with Randall Cobb set to miss a decent amount of time. DJ Moore at 4,900. I mean, the price tag is great. They just traded away, uh, traded away Robbie Anderson, but the team situation is abysmal. And, and then we have guys like Alec Pierce, Wandale Robinson.
Robinson at 46 and 4,500 respectively, just sort of buying into these rookies who have started to show signs and, and maybe getting in on them while their prices are still depressed. Yeah, I think all three of those guys are pretty solid. Uh, Dobbs, DJ Moore, Alec Pierce. I think they're all okay. I definitely just prefer playing three or four of the wide receivers in, you know, the high five high 6k range um we didn't mention tyler lockett who's going to be chalk oh once yeah. again my bad, my 5800 bad. i think you're probably locking in tyler lockett once again i mean we've talked about him a lot over the last couple of podcasts but you know 23 percent target share beautiful game environment you know top what top 15 in the nfl in catches up to this point with 34 top 10 actually you know tied with uh curtis samuel 34 catches on the season his role is just too good 5800 so i think you're probably playing him and personally i don't want to be in this range of 5k or under wide receivers i mean obviously we kind of want to buy into a dj more fucking bounce back but god i mean this dude is on pace for like 600 receiving yards like this is just an abysmal situation yeah i do not want to touch any panthers wide receiver even though you know i did consider picking up terrace marshall and fucking redraft which you know i ultimately just left him on the waiver wire maybe maybe you'll go scoop him up after this pod yeah, that's my guy um, but yeah, I don't I don't want to be in the range of DJ Moore, Alec Pierce, or or Dobbs. But I will I would say Dobbs is is the best one. Dude, you keep stealing my long shots. Tony Pollard, Terrace Marshall Jr. at thirty four hundred. I'm gonna have nothing to talk about when we get to tournaments. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't play Terrace Marshall on DraftKings, please. Lavisca. Lavisca. Hey, all right. Now now we're talking. Now we're talking. Um, I think I mean okay. So I think that that range of wide receivers is okay for cash dj moore is probably fancy play syndrome just trying to get too much in our own heads and trust the talent but we know the situation is god awful the panthers have already announced pj walker starting once again this week and it's like even if dj moore has a good game like what's a good game for dj moore at this point like 15 points like we'd be thrilled if we got 15 points out of dj moore there's just no chance that he burns you at 4900 in this current situation so i mean you you can fade all these guys. It's fine. I think they're okay as well. We shall see what we get to when it comes down to a 2v2 versus one of these guys in Eckler versus two 6K wide receivers when I it's think, all said and done. I think with DJ Moore, definitely, definitely depends on whether or not Sam Darnold could get activated for this game. Hate to say it, but Sam Darnold is an upgrade on their quarterback situation, period. Well, but he, he won't be activated no matter what for this game. PJ Walker will play in this game as the starter. So Darnold may be back next week, but he's not going to start this week. Well, he's questionable for week seven. But they announced Walker as the starter. That doesn't that doesn't mean anything. What do you mean? He could start. Sam Darnold could still be active. Sure, sure, sure. Go he ahead. could he could it it de- it depends if the Panthers activate Sam Darnold. If they activate Sam Darnold, he'll be able to play. Will Walker start? You said he's the starter. They've announced him as the starter. But what if Walker gets benched for Sam Darnold mid-game? And then he just comes in, locks into DJ Moore, and we get like 10 second-half targets from DJ Moore? Yeah, I mean, with Sam Darnold last year, for the first nine games of the season, he had eight. 11, 12, 12, 7, 13, 10, 8, 7 targets. Multiple 100-yard games in there. Okay. All right. Hey, maybe that was there, DJ maybe Moore's there is, stat line. Maybe there is the DJ Moore ceiling game somewhere in the range. Somewhere. Deep in the range. But if if PJ Walker's starting, which you, know, you said he is confirmed, I think that takes DJ Moore out of consideration for cash. Yep. So. I, I think it would give the edge to a player like Dobbs for 100 more. 
I think that's about it for wide receivers that we're considering in cash games at tight end this week. We have Kelsey and we have Andrews, 8K and 7.4 respectively. Don't think that there's any way that we're getting up to them in cash. So as per usual, we are looking to save salary. And we've got a couple of options that may be open to us below 3K. Cade Otten is 2,700. Cameron Brait seems highly, highly questionable. I would expect him not to play in this game. We also have Greg Dolchich in this spot at min price. Do you have a lean between these two bottom of the barrel tight ends? Yeah, I mean, I think with no break, Kate Otten is an elite play this week. Yeah. Like, actually, like, stone cold kind of elite. You know, ran around on 96% of Tom Brady's dropbacks in that week five game against Atlanta. Seven targets, just insane usage for a tight end, especially a $2,700 tight end. Cameron Bray, I mean, this dude got stretchered off the field last week, and he's questionable this week. Stop it. He's yeah. not playing. <laughs> 2,700 K Don, I think, is an extremely better play over Dolchich this week. I think that Dolchich is okay. He obviously made his NFL debut on Monday night, comes out, scores a touchdown, but Russell Wilson is hurt. This Broncos offense is still in shambles. Russ looks cooked out there. And, you know, for 200 more, just give me, just give me Kadon. He's projecting a little bit better as it stands right now. But if you really need the 200, Dolchich is, is the play. But I, I think both are pretty good. And this is the first week of the year where, you know, punt tight end. I mean, we have our two best punts of the season, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and I mean, just to further back what you were saying, I think Otten is clearly, clearly the better play. And, and it's kind of like the same thing that we were saying with like Higgins, Godwin and Sutton. If the tiebreaker between these teams is, is one of them plays on the Denver Broncos right now, I'm going the other direction. It's that simple. Like this offense is chalked. Mm-hmm. I don't care if Wilson is back or not. It's just the offense is chalked. I'm sorry. So yeah, give me Kate Otten easily in this spot and and while I think Greg Dolchich is okay and if we didn't have Otten I would be fine playing him he's just like a standard punt tight end that'll probably get you between five and ten points and you're fine with that I think Otten like you said is a legitimate good play if DraftKings knew ahead of time that Brait wasn't going to play I think he would be priced right up with like Hayden Hurst and them 3,500 range and, and Otten is just a phenomenal play this week so he's mm-hmm. the standout guy let's say that there's a scenario where Cameron Brait does get ruled active are we interested in this mid-range of tight ends, guys like Hayden Hurst, Gerald Everett, Dalton Schultz, you know, the guys that are attached to that tier of quarterback that we're interested in this week? Yeah, Cameron Bray didn't practice today. Definitely something to monitor. It looks like he's not going to be out, so you're just locking in Kate on at that point. But somehow, miraculously, he does play. I think I'm just fading this mid-range and going to Dolchich for 200 cheaper. Copy. I think I'd be comfortable with that. Hayden Hurst is okay. Revenge game against Atlanta. I think Dalton Schultz most likely will be out for this game after tweaking his knee in practice, which would open up Jake Ferguson, six targets, four catches. You've seen that nice little juke move that he had to score that touchdown. I don't know if you saw it or not. Yeah, he, he was he was sauced up out there. He yeah, was he, up. he was sauced up. Uh, <laughs> so I think he'd be in play as well. And then I think uh, if Schultz is out, you can also consider Hendershot at 2,500, a Cowboys tight end as well, who actually ran more routes than Jake Ferguson at five targets. Yeah. I thought for a second you were trying to say Daryl Henderson. I'm like, he's not playing this week, dude. I've never I've never even heard of this guy. Yeah, Daryl Henderson at tight end. <laughs> 
no, Hendershot, Min Price, ran more routes than Ferguson, uh, had one less target. I think both of those guys would be interesting tournament options. But yeah, nonetheless, tight end, you're playing Kate Otten in cash and then in tournaments. I think this range is okay. Everett looks solid at 4K, revenge game for Everett. Robert Tunyon, if he has the same role that he had last week, I mean, he's a total smash at 4,100. Najoku's a good play every single week now. Yeah. That, that's the range that I would be in for, for tournaments. Yep, particularly I feel like Everett and Tunyon are really strong plays. The The Seattle Seahawks have been the worst team against opposing tight ends for fantasy. That's a little bit boosted from the, uh, you know, the 45 spot that TJ Hawkinson hung on their heads. So take that with a grain of salt. But Everett has been very healthily involved in this passing attack. So I like him at 4K as pieces of Herbert stacks. And of course, I think it's always viable to get up to the mid range and access that ceiling. Travis Kelsey at 8K is a little bit, you know, I I don't know, man. I I don't think I would go there with Mark Andrews. Cheaper this week, 7,400. He looks really good. 20 plus points in four out of his last five games just on a godlike tear. You can always play Mark Andrews in tournaments. And we saw some life out of George Kittle. And this could be a spot where the 49ers are pushed to pass 10 targets for Kittle last week at 5,300. I think it'll be a stretch to see a lot of people go there. So he would be interesting for me as well as a guy who has a really high ceiling as high as any of the other tight ends and is coming with a very significant price discount this week. Yeah, I mean... Kittle looks interesting, especially in a game where the Niners may have to abandon the run early against the Chiefs. So I definitely don't mind that in tournaments, but I do think Mark Andrews would be the play and would be my favorite tournament option at 7,400. And, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a very good spot for the Ravens. This Browns defense has legitimately gotten torn up each and every single week. And if these Ravens guys come in with lower ownership, like Lamar or Mark Andrews, I mean, they're just total smashes this week, in my opinion. Yup, is worth noting Rashad Bateman is back. Whatever we think that does, don't think it affects the target share for Mark Andrews whatsoever. Also, J.K. Dobbins missed practice, which could put things more in the hands of Lamar and Mark Andrews once again. I mean, if we get that stack at low ownership, it's it's the best stack on the slate, but we'll see how that goes. Speaking of... Stacks, let's talk about tournaments, leverage, stacks, and long shots. We're both very clearly all over this Baltimore stack. I'm also very interested in the Chargers double this week with Keenan Allen. I don't think that anybody is going to go back to Keenan Allen this week at 6,700. He's just priced right above. Some of those guys that we talked about is borderline chalk and Higgins, Godwin, Sutton. They'll draw a lot of the ownership and then right above CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, and people who are paying up to the Chase Adams of the world. Keenan Allen will fly under the radar, and I think you know, stacking him up with like Everett or Mike Williams and a double with Herbert makes a ton of sense this week. If we're getting this Chargers team at little to no ownership besides maybe Austin Eckler, I mean, they're the best stack on the board. Absolutely. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Gerald Everett, Justin Herbert all look like phenomenal tournament plays early. Maybe one of these guys gets steamed late in the week. Uh, maybe people start to come around to this game overall, but It really looks like the only chalk pieces are going to be Kenneth Walker, Tyler Lockett, and Austin Eckler in this game. So that tells me that they're 
is a lot of ways that you could go that you could go in this game to get different and increase your ceiling. And Justin Herbert doubles look like one of the clearest ways to get uh, leverage in this game and have an elite double stack on on a slate where you know there there's not a lot of elite double stacks to play. So where else do you see yourself going outside of the Chargers and Ravens in tournaments? I mean, this is classic flop lag Tom Brady week. Ooh, I'll put that out there. I like that. I like that a lot. Classic. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, all chalk last week. None of them are going to be chalk this week. Maybe Chris Godwin once again. But if Chris Godwin comes in a little bit under own, I mean, nobody's going to play Tom Brady with Dak 400 more. Nobody's going to play Mike Evans with the players that he's around. Right, Mike Evans is sixty nine hundred. CD Lamb is sixty eight. Everybody's just gonna click CD Lamb over Mike Evans. This is classic, classic flop lag territory for the Bucks offense. Tougher spot, tougher opponent in in Carolina, but they're they're bottom half in the NFL in terms of passing yards allowed per game, and they're bottom ten in the in the league in points allowed per game. So it's a pretty it's a pretty good spot for this Bucks offense. And we already talked about how they want to pass so much over expectation. Literally nobody's going to play them. So classic, classic flop lag Tom Brady double stack against Carolina this week. Book it. Yeah, uh, in two games against the Carolina Panthers last year, the Bucks put up 32 and 41 points. Uh, I like that quite a bit. Cla- I'm telling you, bro, classic. Everybody's on it last week. Nobody's on it this week. Tom Brady doubles. Maybe throw in Fournette in, I mean, in one in, of those doubles. Throw in Otten, too. You know, you can eat Otten ownership and then just, you know, play Brady, Evans. Oh, man, I like, I like the way this is sounding. I like this a lot. Yeah, and, you know... Tom Brady came out and said, "We got to play better." He said, "We're not, we're not playing good football right now." Mm-hmm. So, he, so he knows. He's focused. He's ready to go. He came out, called himself out, called all of his teammates out. Said, "Yo, what, what are we doing out here?" Yep. Tom Brady doubles. Book it. Skips practice every Wednesday for personal reasons. Then screams at his offensive line for not being invested on, on live TV. You know, just great stuff coming out of Brady lately. Great stuff. Um, <laughs> In terms of leverage and long shots, I, I want to tackle both with a singular play this week. He's he's the ultimate leverage play on the slate, and he's a, a bona fide long shot. I think you get him sub 2% ownership at 5,100. Do you think that we could get a little bit of flash of early last year with some Dak Prescott to Michael Gallup, Joey? 5,100 Michael Gallup. Roll has been getting increasingly better, up to 76% of offensive snaps last week. Season high, season high seven targets last week. I I mean, I just think I can see it in my brain right now, right? The the game's locked. It's one o'clock. We're all sitting down. Everybody's got Dak. Everybody's got CD Lamb. You know, a lot of Elliott ownership floating around there. And then it's a 60-yard touchdown to Michael Gallup first touchdown of the day on Sunday and nobody has Michael Gallup everybody's tilting their face off unless you're listening to this podcast and are sharp enough to play him yeah I mean obviously I like the call the game environment is good he is a leverage play on what should be a chalky you know CD lamb do I think he comes in two percent absolutely not you don't projecting as a he's projecting as a top 12 value on the slate right now damn it dude People are so sharp these days. I wouldn't say people. I would say ownership <laughs> projections are just very, very good now, no matter what site you look at. So I don't think he's going to be sneaky, but you could definitely include him in your deck doubles to lower the ownership. I think if I had to guess, he comes in somewhere between 8 to 12% this week. 
especially if people look to those value wide receivers, he's projecting as the best wide receiver between, you know, 45 and, and 50, like 5,500. Mm. Just right right behind Drake London. So those two guys are, are projecting the best as, you know, cheaper wide receivers in that 5K range. So it's definitely not sneaky, but I, I do like the call on Michael Gallup. And you could also make the same play with Tony Pollard that we discussed earlier. I, I mean, I just like getting access to the ancillary Cowboys guys because I think so much of the ownership will get consolidated onto Dak, onto Zeke, and onto CD Lamb. So just getting to those explosive players like Gallup and Pollard that do have ceilings, as unlikely it is as they hit them in any given spot, this is definitely the type of game environment and type of matchup that you want to take those risks on. Yeah. So definitely don't mind him. Uh, my favorite wide, re- my favorite tournament wide receiver is Mike Evans for sure. Sixty nine hundred squeaky wheel narrative there. Uh, they came out said getting f- Mike Evans four targets is absolutely unacceptable, and it is. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Haven't seen a spike week in a couple of weeks. Roll hasn't been great. The Bucks offense hasn't been great, but I think this is a get right spot. And I think he's leveraged off a of CD Lamb chalk. Only a hundred dollars more, and the the way you get rich is you you load up the DraftKings lobby, you click early only, so you get rid of four games, okay? You get rid of four games where you know there's going to be a bunch of chalky pieces, kind of makes the decisions easier. You either play Tom Brady or Lamar Jackson. You play Mike Evans over Ceedee Lamb and Michael Gallup. Mm. Tom Brady double, Michael Gallup as a leverage piece. Boom, you're chilling right there maybe eat some chalk that's a pretty contrarian stack you know maybe in a Monroe St. Brown correlation or DeAndre Swift at the running back position he's 6800 nobody's DeAndre gonna play S- Swift nobody's gonna if, play Swift if Swift doesn't go Jamal Williams becomes a smash once again we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that that's gonna be late news um he he was expected to practice today and be limited but there is a, a realistic scenario where DeAndre Swift is ruled out later in the week and Jamal Williams at 6100 becomes a beautiful beautiful play on a week where if it is if it does come down to it he won't be that owned if it's late news yep definitely couldn't agree more just reloaded the roto world page deandre swift says he's pushing towards playing in week seven and was back on the practice field wednesday looking good for swift but something we will definitely keep an eye on i think that that is going to be it for this edition of the podcast make sure you follow us on twitter at dose media net as well as our personal twitters i'm at ben hover joey's at joey carrying dfs if you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord channel. Link to do so is in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.